This is On the Block with Strickenbach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 champion. 93-7, the ticket veteran and Creed stand, Jake Bakoven. I love that band, Creed. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second hour of On the Block. I'm E. Strick, and that is my partner, Jake Bakabin. We've uh, been having some great discussion about Husker football. We talked a little bit with uh, Stephen M. Sipple with how the, he's viewing the, the Huskers and, and how they're progressing over the spring practice of tackling. Uh, we've also had some discussions on on uh, me taking this L, having a perfect score. <laughs> Shootout was strict. First hour went really well, but now we're in the second hour. We're going to talk a little bit about the Final Four. It is now set. We're going to have some reactions on what transpired over the weekend and uh, how the games fared. I mean, uh, let's start. Let's go ahead and start out the Midwest. I mean, right now Kansas comes out. They they they're they're the regional champs. Um, you know, some of those games obviously weren't very close in the uh, elite uh, in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. I mean, Iowa very handily. I'm sorry, Miami very handily got. Uh, through Iowa State, beating them 70-56 to 56 to move on and to only get beat by the same score, basically, <laughs> you know, by 16. <clears throat> and um, it just looked like a mirror image of that. And so they got by a tough Providence team, uh, Kansas. It, they, that was a really tough ride for them. Providence showed up and just came up a little bit short. And... Uh, uh, went on to face Miami and, and just handily took care of them. How did you view it over the, uh, that, that Kansas Miami game? I mean, I just didn't, you know, they had some flashes, some great play. I think McGusky really took it to him a little bit. Um, you know, he looked really good early. I just don't think they had the depth. They just didn't seem to have the depth to me to, to maintain what Kansas was throwing at them and big game uh, in the front court from Lightfoot. Um, just just played really big for them in the short minutes that he had. And McCormick was just the beast in the middle. It just looked like their front court took care of things. Abaji finally got it going for Kansas, who had been struggling early on in the in, in the tournament. So it just seemed like things began to click for them against uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, talk about a tale of two halves. Miami actually was up at this half, at halftime, 35-29. to 29, Then we're outscored 47-15 to 15 in the second half. So, uh, you know, if that kind of tells you, if you didn't watch the game, that was kind of go, what I had going for it so far. Uh, and it's kind of interesting, too, you know, because I, as I follow Kansas around uh, along, is that Remy Martin's really been playing well. Like you said, um, you know, Agbaje and Braun, some of those other guys kind of got going in this game. Um, but, you know, I think that that's been kind of the key to their tournament run is Remy Martin uh, returning to form. It was the Pac-12's leading scorer. He's actually Alonzo Verge's teammate at Arizona State uh, last year before coming over to Kansas. And he's kind of had an up-and-down season. Where does he fit? You know, how does he fit with the team? Uh, and he's really got it going there as a point guard, and that's something that they've kind of been missing or at least has been inconsistent over this year, um, and and it really just kind of puts them in the shape. I think that they're you know they're, they're at least hot at the right time. They're they're probably playing their best best 
basketball of the season. Um, and, you know, like like you said, I mean, my, it, is, it is what it is, too. I mean, you only play what's in front of you. Ultimately, had to play a 10 seed in, in, in Providence. I don't think they've had the, the toughest road for what it's worth. Um, but they, they look ready to roll, and they might be getting another break here as far as Villanova having one of their best players injured. Um, but that'll be no easy task to take on the wild, the Wildcats. But um, certainly, uh, Kansas has looked impressive this tournament night, and I look at Remy Martin as the key reason to kind of providing that extra spark that they haven't had all year. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, um, I, I think Remy Martin and his leadership has been uh, a, a great find for them uh, to be able to pull somebody like that and to just be able to come in and fill in a void and then also provide great leadership. Get some, he's a calming presence, it seems like for me, when things start to kind of get away from him. He gets after you active. Uh, he's active on the defensive side. Uh, he creates some havoc there. But then uh, he's able to just kind of settle things things down. And I think um, they're very confident. The staff is very confident in him and what he brings to the table. And so they're, 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 they're open to allowing him to do what he does and do, do it well. He doesn't try to overtake over. He just really does things solidly and, and provides good play off the bench for them. Um, we'll go out east now and talk about um, the, the UCLA game against North Carolina, those blue bloods matching up. Uh, in the Sweet 16, I thought that was a phenomenal matchup. Uh, obviously, North Carolina is playing some of the best ball that they played uh, throughout the year. They're very inconsistent. Uh, people were calling for my uh, former teammate, <laughs> my former teammate, uh, Hubert Davis's head uh, for a while. Then, you know, for him, you could see the emotion on his face. And afterwards, he turned the, he turned the, the focus to the team and what they had brought and and how they stayed together and ultimately uh, made it happen. A great defense. Leaky Black just just really kind of honed in defensively and played great defense. Baycock has been playing very well, but their guard play with Davis and Love were just were just tremendous. Uh, you you know, so it, it's good to see um, what they were able to do. And you know, uh, obviously Caleb Love went nuts in that game and. He was just a deciding factor, just nothing they could do with him scoring 30 points. Yeah, that was that was more interesting even than the St. Peter's game, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a second too. But you're you're absolutely right. Uh, that was a good game, and and I, I had a hard time um, trying to figure out who I was going to cheer for because the Carolina Duke thing was kind of hanging around all weekend. Like you really wanted to see that play out, um, but UCLA was just a group that I, I was glad to see, and you don't see very often in, in college basketball, is they made the run. They kind of, uh, all those guys probably had their names as far as, uh, you know, Jaime Hawkes and, and Johnny Juzang and, and Tiger Campbell, probably as hot as they would be um, had they not made a run in this year's tournament. And they knew that coming back uh, to this team, and they gave it a shot. And, and ultimately, the season didn't go as planned, and uh, and I suppose not getting the Final Four or the Elite Eight even um, kind of hurts their momentum and steam moving forward. And it does. I look at the, where those guys are projected, at least in the mock drafts now, as opposed to last year. Um, and it may not mean a, a whole lot for some guys, but like you know, even if if you're not projected now and you were a second round of last year, you know, that at least gives you some pretty good standing. So uh, I I would I'd like to see that UCLA team coming back. I thought it was good for college basketball, but what's best for college basketball is North Carolina and Duke in the Final Four. Um, and North Carolina has, has really turned it on this this part of this last part of the season. You remember before they beat Duke. Um, for Coach K's final game there at Cameron Indoor, they were borderline 
you know, maybe the, one of the last four to get in or whatever. They were borderline in the tournament. Um, and now, you know, they, they've kind of used that momentum. Obviously didn't get the win in the ACC tournament, but have looked really good since then. Uh, and they just, they, they, they have a lot of pieces. They've got like, they've got a lot of guys that can step up. Like you said, Caleb Love going off for 30. That's not, that's not something you'll, you necessarily see. And he, he hit those last two threes. I mean, he had to have the confidence. He ended up like six of 16 or whatever from beyond the arc in that UCLA game, but he was four of 14 before hitting those two daggers at the end. Um, so I, I, I think they're just really set up. Uh, back at, uh, Amanda Bakett uh, has uh, the most double doubles since Tim Duncan in the ACC. So, you know, that kind of speaks for what it is. He's not Tim Duncan, obviously. He's more um, kind of a you know, he's, he's not going to get too, it's not too many like 20 and 10s. It's more like 12 and, and 10s or whatever, but those are still pretty nice for him. Um, and like you said, so their back, their backcourt looks really good. And then uh, Brady Manick is, is really solid uh, piece that yeah. they've added from Oklahoma last year. Yeah. So um, I, I think that the, I mean, Duke, and we've seen two Duke, North Carolina matchups. Um, Duke is the most talented team, but this team seems to fit together maybe better than anybody left in the tournament. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And and uh, but where, where I was really disappointed is just on the other side with uh, the St. Peter's and the Purdue uh, St. Peter's Peacocks and on Peacock Day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, the Purdue Boilermakers um, that game they also obviously fell short, sixty-seven to sixty-four. It just looked to me that they just outplayed them at the guards. It just seemed to me that. They weren't able to just stop them. They, they just seemed more athletic. They they seemed like they just they wanted it more. Um, they they seemed to shut down the paint. They seemed to do everything right. It just seemed like it all came together for them. I don't know if the emotion of that win uh, they they were overwhelmed because it just seemed like which we'll talk about the next when they when they got to the uh, elite eight. It just seemed like. Right off the top, just North Carolina just handled them and just just really was able to do anything they wanted. They got off to a, a huge lead, like I think nine to two or nine nine zero, and and it just it it, it was not, it was no looking back from that. But uh, in, in the Purdue game, it just looked like you know Edie and none of them. Uh, T Williams did have a solid game. It just seemed oh, mostly they just they just play outplayed them, and and, and it was very evident, and ultimately came up with the win. Yeah, Jaden Ivey uh, struggled that night, and that's something you'll struggled. see a lot of times in the tournament. Jabari Smith did, um, you know, these these lottery type picks. Um, they're they're still projects for a reason, you know. You you think about, and, and hopefully it just gives people more respect because a lot of guys can can go off for thirty like Caleb Love, um, but it's consistently doing that over mm-hmm. time is is the is the is is the test that, that and and we'll see if these guys, you know, and that's why the lottery and and any sort of draft in any league is is a gamble is you don't know how consistently these guys can get it done. I, I still believe in Jaden Ivey. I think he's still one of the most explosive players uh, in this tournament and in college basketball this year. Uh, he just struggled. And then I thought it was interesting um, that Matt Painter decided to take his seven-footer off the floor, you know, some, uh, even taller than that, um, Zach, Zach Eady, uh, who was eating up space, and they were down, you know, they were trying to get back. So, um, But they still just, they, they put Travion Williams in there instead. And he's been, I mean, I think the sixth man of the year in, in the Big Ten, and, and a great player, was a starter last year, or, or close to all league if he wasn't. Um, so I can kind of understand that, but I, it, it would just be hard for me 
as a Purdue fan, knowing that uh, one of my biggest just mismatches on the court didn't play down the stretch. And I know it was tough watching Edie from, from the bench watching that. He wasn't necessarily in foul trouble. They just thought it was a, uh, a, a you know something that was going to be to their benefit to, to go a little bit smaller. Um, but for, for Edie, I mean, he was a big part of that team all year long, so it's tough to watch uh, a team lose that way uh, partially due to a coach's decision. Well, I mean, you said it. I mean, you said painters. If if anybody will let you down, he he's one of them ones, them them coaches that just seems to uh, just kind of falter and flail when it comes time to get it done in the big games. Not much to talk about in the in the Elite Eight game uh, with North Carolina and St. Peter's. It, like I said, from the start to the finish, it just was very evident that there's nothing they could do. And then you're trying to make a run and get back into it, and you're scoring point for point. There's just no, there's nothing that really you can do in that specific game. Uh, then now, uh, let's move up and, and talk about the South. Uh, in the South, you know, Arizona uh, found themselves with a hot Houston team, great defensive team, and and another solid defensive team with with not as much depth. Um, they were still able to get it done in Villanova over Michigan, and, and you can see the way that they defended. So these two defensive juggernauts end up finding themselves against each other in the Elite Eight game. Houston uh, and Villanova get after you defensively, and you see it in, in, in the score in 50-44. to 44. It didn't seem like it was a very good game, but it was very defensively and executed on the defensive side, and the best man ended up winning in the Villanova. Yeah, and, and, and hats off to, to Houston, what they're able to do, again, um, even without some of their best players. So, um, you know, they made a good run for what they were able to do, um, and Kelvin Sampson deserves some credit for that. Uh, and then by the end of it, it it's just sad that, that Villanova's not going to be full strength uh, going into this. They've, they've got some guys, Jermaine Samuels have been playing really well of late, but Justin Moore is their second-leading scorer. And to me, when, when Villanova's at their best, I've said it all, all tournament long, it's, it's the, those guards leading the way. And Gillespie can can. Kind Kind of help along with it, but um, it's gonna it's gonna hurt now. Justin Moore, it, it, it is an ACL uh, Achilles tear, so he's out. He's not coming back for this tournament, um, and uh, and it's just tough because they lost Gillespie last year going into the tournament. Uh, at least this year they get a Final Four run out of it, um, but it's it's uh, it's sad to see that. Um, and like you said, it was it was at least a defensive battle. Sometimes that can be a little bit of an eyesore. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. And at least it you know sticks up for those guys that would say they don't play defense in the NBA, so they're turned off. But uh, but I was watching that game with a. Uh, with a friend that you know, kind of casually watches basketball, and, and he said, "Man, there's such a difference between the NBA and watching college kids." And I go, "Yeah, well, <laughs> this 50-44 game isn't probably the best representation of that, or at least the representation that college would want to put forward. But it it is a, it is a good representation of it because um, you know it, it can be a completely different game at times. But uh, that's that's in, in no small part to the defense that Jay Wright gets going there uh, for the Villanova Wildcats, and uh, I'm glad to see." them make a run and, and Jalen or excuse me for for Jay Wright he could definitely take that mantle over for Coach K if he gets the win who knows maybe they'll do it in the national championship game but having uh, two tournament championships already uh, at Villanova uh, I, I think he could take the mantle as the next guy but I, I think Bill Self could do the same so it's very interesting how the final four is set up no question as we move over to the west uh, we found that Gonzaga got clipped against a, a tough, tough Arkansas team um, led by Eric Musselman and, and just had his guys ready, and they came out and played a tremendous game. You know, consistency out of Drew Timmy was always there. 
Uh, Strother was okay, but uh, Nimhart, he's just he struggled pretty much. Not he wasn't very consistent throughout the tournament. It ended up biting them. Arkansas just looked like they were, you know, just they, I'm not gonna say the Nolan Richardson, but they played a 40 minute uh, game and they ended up pulling it out at the end of the day. A great game by Jay Williams, who had 15 points, 12 rebounds, and in 37 minutes, solid from the inside there. And, uh, you, you know, then, um, you know, I, I don't know what to say other than the fact that it just didn't have the depth in Gonzaga that they needed. And it just seemed like Arkansas was able to throw many, many different looks at you and and then gave them enough to pull it out at the end of the day. Yeah, and I really expect, especially like Tony's block there at the end of those games, um, to set up the matchup. It would have been uh, more viewership, more eyes on Duke Gonzaga, obviously. Um, but that's the way the tournament crumbles is you get these these great stories throughout it, and Arkansas was one of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they took advantage, got the win, and set themselves up with the opportunity at Duke. Um, weren't able to get that done, but I guess as far as competitive games in the lead eight, uh, that was one of the better ones. Yeah, this whole side I think was was probably one of the better of the uh, sixteen and eight matchups. Texas Tech gave Duke everything that they wanted in that game, but I think the coaching and I think the uh, uh, what the players was just not going to allow themselves to fall short, and they willed themselves to this one. Obviously, uh, Banchero played phenomenal. He's been very consistent throughout the tournament. They they were able to get on his shoulder, but they had great balance. Both of these teams had tremendous balance on both sides of the ball. And it just ultimately came down to, I think, uh, you know, the Duke just willed themselves and just said, hey, we're not letting our coach go out like this. And, and they were able to pull out a five-point win there in the West. Yeah, it's it's and it's cool to see. I mean, the emotions after the game. Obviously, um, I mean, you got to feel an extra amount of pressure there when you're going to the line. You know, having some free throws to knock down. Not only is it your season on line, but Coach K could be done at any time. So uh, that that's fascinating. But uh, I, I thought it was cool. Coach K now has the most Final Fours of all time. That's very fitting as he goes out and and maybe can get another championship. But uh, uh, and and then I I'm, I'm just really impressed uh, with uh, Roach, their guard from. Uh, Duke. I mean, there's a, there's a, a lot to be impressed by there from you know a lot of guys that are going to be picked um, pretty high. Jeremy Roach, though, not the biggest kid, um, but if they need a bucket, he seems to be a guy that they can go to. Yeah, no, that that, that, that is true. I think I think when it comes down to also is that Duke Duke uh, they got embarrassed. They got embarrassed at Cameron M. Door Stadium by uh, this North Carolina team, and I think at, at all you know, points that I could even put in my brain as a player, they wanted an opportunity at a potential matchup again to get another, another crack at them. Uh, I think, I think they felt very embarrassed by what happened there and they went in and and gave it to this Arkansas team. Um, I don't think it was literally as close as it was. I just really think that it was back and forth, but mostly I could tell that this Duke team, was going to probably win that game by the way that I saw that they were playing. Well, if that game's close at all, it's just going to be one of those special moments in tournament history. I mean, you couldn't write the script any better. Maybe you could have, you know, both of them playing the national championships as the one seed or whatever, but it's pretty darn close to where Duke and North Carolina, the best rivalry in college basketball, maybe the best rivalry in sports, um, meets up in the Final Four for the first time in Coach K's final season, then throw on the additional aspect you were talking about where North Carolina's got scoreboard on them and sent them out at at Cameron Indoor um, and not such an exciting fashion. I mean, watching that game was 
really interesting. I mean, after the game was just, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in Cameron Indoor. There's tears everywhere. I mean, that's how bad they wanted and expected to beat, at that time, a, a borderline tournament team in North Carolina. Now, Carolina's come along, and, you know, they, they, again, they, they've just, they play well. They're playing so well as a team right now. They've got a lot of guys that can step up against Duke, who's got, I, I think, the most NBA talent probably on the roster uh, with a few of those guys um, certainly going to be making a lot of money for you know several years to come. But um, it, it's just set up so perfectly. And I know a lot of people aren't aren't going to love it, right? A lot of people are were frustrated by enough Duke talk. Um, and but this Duke North Carolina thing, as we lead up to it this weekend, it's obviously going to build and it's going to be so exciting. Um, one of the best matchups in in tournament history, regardless of the situation, but with Coach K. It's career on the line, um, you know, <laughs> as WrestleMania season is approaching for wrestling. I mean, they, that's how you, you pipe up WrestleMania season. You're like, well, now we're going to put this guy's career on the line, and that makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, well, you don't have to fake it or, or book it this way. That's just how it played out and uh, couldn't be any more fascinating. Kind of takes a little bit away from the Villanova-Kansas matchup that I'm very intrigued by as well, but obviously all the talk's going to be Carolina-Duke. Well, that's what we have Saturday uh, for uh, um, well, the day after April Fool's, I'm glad nobody's playing on that day, uh, get fooled. But uh, at 849 on TBS, Duke will be facing North Carolina. It's been a while since we've seen uh, a one seed, a two, a two, and then, you know, somebody still in the top, um, you know, eight get get into the final four. I mean, normally it's, it's, it's kind of a little hodgepodge mix-up, but it's been a while since we've had – uh, these higher, higher seeds really break through and, and, and get in, uh, I think, over the last three to three, three years or so, four years. But we have Kansas Villanova at 6.09. And then uh, following that with the, the nightcap, the best one, I think everybody and their mom will be watching that one, the North Carolina Duke rematch. That's what we have. We're going to take a break and come back and we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of football, uh, NFL style uh, coming off the break on the block. 